Welcome to Scissors and Scrubs. I'm Nicole. I'm Laura. And this is our Veterans Day episode. Oh, yeah. You know how we love our veterans? Mm-hmm. I'm married to one. I have a son who will be a veteran. Um, and, you know, because we love our son so much, we mm-hmm. decided to do naval disasters. <laughs> yeah, it was excellent. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, this idea. I decided, you know, to go with the sinking of the submarine thresher because, you know, my son's on a submarine. I mm-hmm. thought it'd be a great idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Lara's doing the burning of the forest. Yeah, off. it's excellent. Yeah, Thank it's you. A good time. I really appreciate it. We still haven't decided who's going first yet. So um, it's me. I'm going. Oh, Lara's going first because okay. she has a full stomach. But you know, she might rip a large burp on this one. <laughs> I'm fucking hoping she does. It's not happening. <laughs> Do we have anything to cover or discuss before we get into this? It's November. <sighs> We're getting ready for the holiday. Halloween just happened. Nothing yeah. terribly no. exciting happened on Halloween. I don't think so. So I was having dinner and it was like, I don't know, 5, 30, quarter, 6 and kids were already trick-or-treating. No. I was like, what the fuck? Six it's o'clock. It's not even dark yet. Six o'clock. Right. Like, it's not even dark yet. It, yeah, actually, I'm going to say it was quarter past five. No. It wasn't even dark yet. No. I was like, I know. Six o'clock's on, a hard stop for like, that's like, the time you stop. You can stay up for one day. My son went out and I told him this really has to be the last year and he did come home with a block of cheese. There was a neighbor that gives oh. blocks of cheese every year. Oh. The cheese man. They don't egg his house? No, they like the cheese. Oh. All right. (laughs) They come home with a block of cheese. That's weird. So, uh, yes, we are getting ready for Veterans Day. My uh, husband has a tradition where he goes with friends and they drink whiskey all night. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know what the fuck they talk about, but I don't think it has anything to do with what they did back in the day. No, I know. Absolutely not Um, talking about their feelings. No, God, no. God, that would be... He doesn't talk about his feelings with anybody. His father died and he just stared straight ahead. I was like... "Uh." Like, I'm assuming there's something going on there, but he would never tell yeah, me. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming you feel bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming there's a short of a tear coming in. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Laura's going to go first with the forestall, which I hear was pretty rough. It wasn't great. Uh, mm. Yeah. Thank God my son's not an aircraft carrier because the submarine's so much better. Yes, so much better. <laughs> so much better. Take it away, Sparkles. All right. I got this information from history.com and this YouTube video, like oh, you movie video? I did Oof. called Situation Critical USS Forrestal. Oh, the Forrestal. Mm-hmm. So the USS Forrestal was the world's first super carrier. What uh, exactly is a super carrier? Can you distinguish that? It's a. Um, you know, a carrier. Like an aircraft carrier. An aircraft carrier, but it's it. huge. Like it's the first, it was the first like really, really, really big one. What year is this? Um, 1967. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, its first deployment was to North Vietnam in July 1967. It carried 90 aircraft and 5,000 men. Within hours of its arrival in Vietnam, it had already started flight operations. Like it got yeah. there, it was flying. Um. USS Forrestal was positioned out at sea, and it was considered the safest place to be deployed in Vietnam because enemy arsenal could not reach it. Mm-hmm. On July 28th of 1967, the month they got there, <laughs> um, 330 tons of ordnance was supplied to the USS Forrestal by a reloading ship within two hours. So they dropped 330 tons of bombs, bombs and within weapons. two hours. The bombs had to be placed in protective magazines. Um, so explosives are being moved all around the ship for two hours, mm-hmm. like for for longer than that. They were dropped off for two hours and then all day long right. they were moving they're moving these bombs all along. Um, crew members seeing these bombs observed that they looked very old 
and like they had been, quote, sitting in a basement somewhere since World War II. I was going to say, what, since 1945? End quote. Um, so they look real dusty. So it'd be like 22 years they've been sitting around. If it was really from World War II. Yeah. Um, on July 29th, just after dawn, planes started taking off for their missions off of mm-hmm. the forest all. Um, the next wave of jets are being prepared. So, you know, one set takes yeah. off, you know, a whole group takes off. And then the next set of jets starts getting prepared. And the 1,000-pound bombs were dropped um, off, that were dropped off the day before are loaded onto them. Mm-hmm. So they load on these huge-ass bombs onto these jets that are sitting on top of the ship. The pilots perform their pre-checks and start their engines. Immediately, crew and deck cameras see a bright flash come from the bottom of one of the F-4 Phantom fighter jets as one of its rockets streaked across the deck. Fuck. So one of the rockets is on one of the fighter jets, Takes comes off. off of it, and streaks right across the deck of the ship. That rocket hits the underbelly of a readied A-4 Ooh. Skyhawk jet. The Skyhawk had two 1,000-pound bombs on board. The rocket split the gas tank of the Skyhawk, and the fuel caught fire. The pilot of that Skyhawk, John McCain. <gasps> Get out! Yep. Um, the fire um, used the spilled fuel as an accelerant. It quickly spreads to the other ready jets. So these jets are loaded with bombs. And so they're going to just stop They're ready up. to take off. The gas tanks are fu- full. So... It spreads right to those other fighter jets. Um, the firefighters rush to the planes. Um, farriers run to them with just an extinguisher. No protective gear because they're like, shit, this right. is on fire. And they just run to take it out because all these planes are going to blow up. Um, so they're trying to save the pilots at a trap because now there's just a fire across these jets. Oh, yeah. And all the pilots are sitting in, in their planes, in their planes with the things over their head, you know, the glass Canopies. Canopies over their heads, ready to take off, and now they're on fire. So they're just trying to save these pilots. Some of them ejected. So um, black smoke quickly covers the entire deck. Um, McCain and some other pilots escape the cockpits. They throw the canopies open. They go to the nose of the plane, and there's like this long... After the nose of the plane, there's like, like this long rod yes. that comes off yes, of it. I know exactly what you're talking about. They climb out onto that and drop down onto the deck that's on fire now and like run away right. from the planes. Not all of them did that, though. Um, One minute and 28 seconds after the fire started, the first of the 1,000-pound bombs Fuck. explodes on the deck Fuck. of this carrier. Um, Chief Aviation Boatswain Mate Ferrier, I'm not probably saying that, F-E-R-R-I-E-R, in firefighters that were trying to control the flames, immediately killed because the thousand pound bomb explodes. Right. Um, the explosion rips a hole straight through the flight deck to the lower compartments. 70 sailors that had worked the night shift were instantly killed in their compartments, oh. never having even known what happened. Um, there was a problem. And now there's a fire inside the ship so everything's exploding on top of the ship and And now now there's a fire down into the ship the fire on the deck is worsening the fire hoses were damaged from the explosion so this bomb explodes the fire hoses get ripped apart so now they can't spray water um they maneuver the ship 
out of the wind. So there, this is happening. There's a fire on the deck. Bombs are going off. There's a fire inside the ship. They're smart enough to be like, we have to move this ship so the wind is not blowing the flames mm-hmm. straight across the deck. So they maneuver the ship out of the wind to try to stop the spread of the fire. There were planes on fire leaking fuel, feeding the fire, because yeah. now all of them are leaking all their fuel. There was 150 tons of bombs on the deck. Fuck. The sailors were ordered to dr- dump planes and bombs off the deck to prevent further explosions. So now they're all running into the fire to, get to rid push of bombs. the bombs, to push the planes into the ocean mm-hmm. so they're not on the ship anymore. Um, obviously, there were many more explosions. Nine bombs detonated in total. Wow. These 1,000-pound bombs, nine of them on detonated. The deck. Um, almost all of the trained firefighters were killed. Because they put that first line out, the first bomb went off, they all Killed died. Yep. They put the second line out, another bomb goes another off, bomb goes they, off all they all die. So sailors um, had a crash course in firefighting on the deck that is on fire, and then they tried to attack the flames. But now they've had a very, very rough crash course in firefighting oh, yeah. in a live fire. You need foam to fight fire that mm-hmm. is fueled by gas. Um, and you need water to cool the jets and other objects around so, so they, they don't, don't combust. Catch up. Unfortunately, because the men were not fully trained, they were spraying both at the same time, which just caused the water to spray away the foam. Oh. So they're spraying the foam and they're spraying the water, but the water is just getting yeah. rid of the foam. Yeah. Um, men on the deck were being killed by explosions and shrapnel. Um, men inside the ship were suffocating from the <gasps> smoke and the fumes. Oh. Um, this supercarrier was built to be watertight. Which so, means it keeps air. Everything, Everything's in. Yeah. So they used the watertight doors as fa- fire barriers, which they should, because there's like, you know, magazines mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, um, but once you were, sh- once they were shut, men could not get out of the smoke-filled areas that they were stuck in. Fuck. Like they couldn't get to yeah. the next area because they had to keep those doors shut right. so nothing else exploded or caught fire. So men were being suffocated right. in the compartments they were in. Um, at one point, a mixture of salt water of the from the fire hoses um, made chlorine gas, which oh is my deadly. God. Um, so an alarm did go out overhead. Like if you are in compartment, don't you know, breathe X Y Z. Get out, get out. It's chlorine. Don't go back in. It's chlorine gas. There is a there yeah. is chlorine gas on ship. So they did say it, but people were dying from the chlorine gas. Um, other ships in the fleet come to their aid, obviously. Um, they came up on either side of the forest all to spray water and foam on the areas on the deck that they could see that were on fire. Um, With and the that firefighters the cr- who were still alive. Right. And the crew, well, no, the other ships Doesn't were spraying mean, So this. they yep. had their firefighters who were alive. Yeah. Um, and the crew who's left, who's trying to fight the fire, can no longer reach those areas because right. it's just so spread and they can't get that close. Imagine so they're the trying heat. to, no. So they're trying to heat, hit either side. Um, they also lo- landed helicopters on the deck of the Forestall to try to evacuate the really, really injured people that they thought they could save. Um, and they also dropped firefighting equipment. And um, like I said, they tried to evacuate like the sickest sailors that they thought would survive. It took a full day to completely stop the fires on board. A full 24 hours. It's a lot. Yep. At one point, half of the ship was on fire. Oh, my God. 134 sailors were killed and hundreds seriously injured. 
It was the worst loss of life on a Navy ship since World War II. Oh. After the sail- these sailors put out the fires, they had to go into the compartments that were destroyed. They had to remove the sailors that were killed in them. In the documentary on YouTube, mm-hmm. they have like retired sailors that were on the ship. Um, they're recalling what they saw. It, it is like heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Um, they said they saw bravery, boys turn into men in fear but not cowardice. Um, but the images of their fallen comrades were completely scarring. They said to remove the sailors from inside the ship was extremely difficult. They had been flash burned. So their bodies were in the exact position they were in when, when the died. fire came through. So they were frozen in place. So if they had put their arms up in front of them, their arms were stuck in front of them. Um, That's how they remained. So whatever they were doing when they, whoosh, the mm-hmm. fire came through, that's how their bodies were. So it was extremely difficult to maneuver them through the little bulkheads in doorways stuck in a way. ship. Yep. Um, so they would have to, as gently as they could, break their arms and legs, move to the limbs yeah. to get them through the doorways, um, to get them out of the ship. Um, and the this man was recounting this forty years later, and he was like, so clearly haunted by what he had to do to yeah. get these people out. Um, another pilot recounted being on deck and right after the first explosion, seeing a man dragging himself across the deck on his elbows. And then he realized there was nothing below the waist of this man. There was nothing from the waist down. Um, the sick bay was full of sailors, completely burned, and there was nothing they could do for them on board and couldn't evacuate before they died. Um, the carrier made temporary repairs in the Philippines and then headed back to Norfolk to be repaired. This so glad we did this episode, Laura. This is just so uplifting. wonderful. Um, <laughs> so glad it made it back. We to decided to talk about this. The half the ship it was, limped back yeah. across the world to Norfolk, Virginia. Half the ship had been on fire, yeah. and it still made its way back to mm-hmm. Virginia. Um, after a thorough investigation, it was determined that the F four Phantom fighter jet had gotten a surge of energy from the generator on the flight deck used to start all the jets. So before they turned their engine in the I don't know. I'm I'm doing it like I'm turning a key. But before they turned their engine on in the actual, mm-hmm. well, like before the pilot did it, it was hooked up to a generator, and that would give it like a burst of energy, and then they would start their thing. Like they all started off this generator, right. if for whatever reason that F four got a burst and from the off. generator, shot off. It shot off the missile. Um, it triggered the release of the rocket that shot across the deck, hitting um, McCain's jet. The bombs that had been received the day before were actually from World War II. So they were going off. And were more susceptible to heat. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Navy n- never wanted anything like this to happen again. The Ferrier Fighting S- Firefighting School, which is named after the man that was the head of the firefighters on that ship, um, hosts week-long firefighting and damage control for ten to 15,000 sailors per year. Yeah. Um, the Navy also includes firefighting in boot camp. Um, as we a, know. <laughs> as we know. Our sons went through it. Battleships. Um, yeah. If all Marines are firefight, uh, riflemen, all sailors are firefighters. That's mm-hmm. like the thing. All Marines are rif- riflemen. All sailors are firefighters. Um, bombs now also have a heat protectant on them to give sailors time to move them out of the way of fire before they can detonate. <sighs> um, and that is the story of the USS Forrestal. Well, comma. 
Uh-huh. You don't know who John McCain is. He was a senator. Mm-hmm. And then he ran, ran for, for president. president multiple times. And he was also a POW at one mm-hmm. point, And he was a POW for a couple of years. His father was an admiral in the Navy and tried to get him out. And he refused to leave yeah. because he wasn't going to leave before the guys he was with left. And I do feel bad. He was actually... People were blaming this forest all on him because it was his plane that dropped the first thousand pound bomb after it was hit by but a it Tomahawk was hit missile by a missile right from another plane that had a surge of energy from a generator like but they it's always did. a blame game yeah. when these things happen which I don't like yeah um always a blame game mm-hmm. so my husband was on an aircraft carrier and he always would talk about the forestall and uh, he talks about like when you were looking at the video he goes. The deck's on fire, and there's some guys running over with like a fire extinguisher. Yeah. He goes, It's funny, but it's not funny. Like, what did he think he was going to do against these bombs or the fire extinguisher? And then the whole thing just blows yeah. up. And I'm assuming he in the fire extinguisher were no longer. Well, that's, I think that was that first wave of. Yeah. It was just horrible. Yeah. So, you I know. I mean, but I guess you just do what. Well, you're, you're, you're stuck on it. Where to are you going to go? You have nowhere else to go. You're right. in the middle of the ocean. Right. You got to do something. You got to do something. Yeah. Well, to stay on that really happy, cheerful note, we're going to talk about the USS Thresher. Yeah. So I had heard about the Thresher over the years. Um, A woman I work with, her uncle died on the Thresher. I was always under the impression this happened after it had been serviced for a long time and like it was out doing whatever it does and it sank. Mm -hmm. Um, It's scarily close to what my son's sub is going through right now mm-hmm. so i got my money uh my money i got Your my money. monies from the u.s navy we didn't get Institute. any money from the u.s navy <laughs> <laughs> they're paying us to talk about misery no i got my information from the u.s naval institute magazine mm-hmm. about the thresher ssn 593 mm-hmm. and i believe ssn stands for submersible ship nuclear okay cameron's probably going to well, no, he won't because he doesn't listen to this. One no. of his friends will say your mother got it wrong. Right. Okay. <sighs> the uh, This was the world's first nuclear submarine to be lost at sea mm. 60 years ago this year. Yeah. The Thresher was commissioned Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Oh. Shipyard. August 3rd, 1961 with Commander Dean L. Alexander as... Um, the, he's the commander of the yeah. sub. The keynote speaker, Vice Admiral Harold T. Duderman, declared the Thresher is not just another ship. Thresher is totally different. Yeah. It is the first of a new class of nuclear-powered subs. It was a, quote, hunter-killer craft. Oh. It had a cigar-shaped hull. Now, if you look at submarines from like World War II and stuff, they're shaped like... um. You know the hats that yeah, they, they have wear. The point. It's they got the a points. point. They're yeah. pointed. These are shaped like a cigar tube. Okay. All right, they're, so they're more rounded. rounded. Yes, mm-hmm. um, it is a massive BBQ two sonar. You know what's interesting about sonar that I did not know? Active sonar is you know when you hear boom. Yeah. If they were to initiate active sonar underwater and a human was say diving outside of it, it would instantly kill them. And they won't. Oh, because it's so strong. Because it's so strong, and they don't use it often because it kills all the marine life around the ship as well. Oh, isn't that interesting? That Never knew that. So it has a BQQ2 sonar. Mm. It is considered the most advanced sonar fitted to a sub. It has four torpedo tubes that could fire the latest anti-warship and anti-sub torpedoes. I mean, it goes into a lot of stuff. It had, um, it could come close to the surface and shoot ballistic missiles. It's the first of its kind that can do that. 
It has an S5W nuclear reactor, which would give her unlimited range, which means it's one of the first subs that really doesn't have to come up. The only reason these submarines come up is for food. food. Yeah. They could stay under for an indefinite amount oh of time. God. Well, I mean, if there's an army, everybody's going crazy. The only one that's going to be left are men on nuclear submarines. <laughs> and women. I, there's a few on, women on there, too. The hull is constructed of HY-80 steel, and it would let her dive to a depth of 1,300 feet. No. At this time, is unprecedented for any sub to this point. They can go deeper now, but you're not (gasps) supposed to know exactly how deep they can go. Mm -hmm. So, the initial sea trials were successful, though there was some uh, instrumentation issues. It is... uh, Officially commissioned in August, and it is it continues on lengthy sea trials off the Atlantic coast. It had some diesel generator problems. So they have a nuclear reactor that actually powers the sub, but they also have a diesel-powered generator that if, for whatever, they're just putting around that they're not mm-hmm. going to kick off the nuclear what? reactor. Let's just put that on. They just put yeah. on the diesel. Um, so it has a diesel generator. It was having problems. Um, and restarting the nuclear reactor. So for whatever reason, the nuclear reactor would just shut off and they couldn't get it going again. I would be... I know. I know. Listen, I don't know where this kid come from because none of this is something I would ever want. You know what I think it is? I think they just don't even think about it. They have to just not think about it. He thinks it's cool. This is a kid who's always loved weird shit. Like, he was obsessed with trains. He was obsessed with, like, just, I want to go to the moon. Like, he loves all... Oh, my God. Core of the crust of the earth. That's yes, where Nicole lives. Right I don't want to go under the crust no, of the earth. I don't want to go above. The, I'll fly. Don't like that either. No. Go to the moon. That's never happening. Mm. Never in my lifetime. I don't care if it's a fucking hourly shuttle to the moon. No. I'm not taking it. I'll stay right here. I want to live right here. I want to die where the sky is blue and the grass is green. Yeah. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Not in the fucking abyss with white <laughs> dots. Nope. 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 So it is subjected to shock tests and the thresher is subjected to greater... A greater pounding. This sounds dirty. A greater pounding than any other sub in naval history. Wow. Dirty boys. Um, According to Commander X, I forgot his name, there's no question that the Thresher suffered damage, but it was all relatively minor damage. Um, In the shock mm -hmm. test. And these show, it, it, but it was all my, uh, relatively minor. The damage was sustained, did not impair the ship's ability to operate. And oh, much of it was to the damage of the sonar tubes and they could repair that with whatever spare parts they already had on ship so it's surface damage but whatever they had they could repair it so by july of 1962 it has returned to portsmouth new hampshire and it went to the shipyard for maintenance and while it's in the shipyard commander axine that's his name because i couldn't read my writing he's transferred to the uss john calhoun he doesn't want to go, but his command, that's it. Like when the Navy tells you to go somewhere, fuck you, you're going. Mm-hmm. So Lieut- Lieutenant Commander John Wesley Harvey, who is 36 years old, 36 years old takes over command of the ship. Mm-hmm. So the sub went through fast cruise. So Cameron's been doing these as well, which is even though it's in dry dock, it's you act as if you're going on a cruise. And it, they have to do all the testing and gear up all the stuff. And he, he'll say, water. he'll be like, oh, tomorrow we have to do a fast cruise. And so it's they're testing all the equipment and everything as if they were really underwater, mm-hmm. even though they're in dry dock. Um, and they were saying like there was 
you know, Cameron's been in dry dock close to a year now. And they say when they're in dry dock, like, it's boring for the guys on the sub and the ship workers are on the ship and they're off the ship. And then the military guys have to take the civilians around the ship and show them where things are. Like, he's had to take people around the ship and work valves and shit or whatever they do. Um, so in New Hampshire, there was a little conflict between the sailors and the guys in the, the shipyard. Okay. So um, finally, it's ready for its last set of sea trials. So this is exactly what Cameron's going to go through. He's been in dry dock for a year. Sometime they're going to come out. They're going to do sea trials. Once mm-hmm. those are clear and ready to go, he will take off. Mm-hmm. Um, so at 3.45 on April 9th, 1963, the, ni- the reactor plant is started on the sub. It takes four hours for this thing to get going. Jesus! So by, sub thir- by 7.30, the nuclear reactor is at full steam. The Thresher is underway with 129 men, 12 officers, 96 enlisted. Among them for the sea trials are three officers of substaff force, 13 civilians who are employees of the Portsmouth Naval Yard, and three civilians from the Naval Ordnance Lab. So they're going to run the torpedoes and things like that. So he also said when they do sea trials, there will be civilians on the ship with them, on the boat. I don't know what you're supposed to call it. I can't even fathom. Four crew members remained assured for unknown reasons. Now, we went to Nantucket this summer and, um, you know, we're looking at this fucking old mill from like 1700s. And this guy's like, oh, he was in the Navy. And, you know, my husband's like, oh, I was in the Navy. It just, you never meet somebody in the submarine. That trip, we meet two people in submarines. This particular man's like, yes, I was supposed to be on the Thresher, but Mm. I had pneumonia. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And he's like, and it was taking so long to clear it up, they reassigned me to another ship. He was one of the four. He was one of the four not on the ship. We met one of the four yeah. people that weren't was on the Thresher. Not on the Thresher, that old Crazy. that old guy who lived to live quite a successful yeah, life and now lives on life. Nantucket giving tours of this huge fucking mill. Yeah. Okay. So the sub sets off. And around 9.45, they're off the coast of Boston and it meets with the 205-foot Skylark. The Skylark is a rescue vessel equipped with divers and specialized equipment that allows her to moor over the disabled sub and rescue personnel with a cable-lowered rescue chamber. So if something were to happen to the Thresher during the sea trials, the Skylark can go right over the top of it, lower stuff down, and get, hopefully, the people out. So it is going to follow this sub on the sea trials in case anything happens. It breaks on the sub. They can get these guys out. Supposedly, this is giving me this is foreshadowing. If you most anxiety, yeah, it's only gonna get better. Okay, and like I said, I choose this as my yeah, you're insane, you're a fucking narcissist. I'm telling you, I really love love disaster. Something one problem is that the commander of the Skylock had no idea the capabilities of the Thresher, including how deep it can go because it's a first of its kind and these are super secret squirrel shit. Nobody's gonna tell them. The capabilities of the sub. I mean, you should probably you tell the people on the rescue that are gonna boat. fucking rescue it. You would think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's super secret, but the boat that's going with it should, should probably know. know. Well, it doesn't. Or at least any, one person. On it the doesn't boat. have any idea how deep that okay. the thresher can go. There is an underwater telephone. I don't know how this thing is worked. <laughs> but it, it is how the Skylark is going to communicate with the thresher, and the phone is called a UQC. So the Thresher makes a shallow dra- dive. The communication pre- between the Skylock Thresher is fine. Thresher resurfaces. The Skylock and the Thresher come up on a plan that they're going to rendezvous 200 miles off the coast of Cape Cod. Even more interesting is the Thresher is 200 miles off the coast of yeah, Cape Cod. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. It is going to test its deep water capabilities and then it 
disappears under the waves. There it goes. When these things go down, fucking blink of an eye, Mm -hmm. it's gone. Mm -hmm. So, side note, um, (laughs) my mother is obsessed with black and white movies. Like, I don't think I watched a movie with color until I was about 25. Mm -hmm. There is a movie called Run Silent, Run Deep. And it's this World War II movie, submarine movie, where uh, Clark Gable's the captain. That's how old this movie is. That's old. (laughs) It's old. So they, um, it's this whole, it's, you know, the Japanese sunk, are sinking all the subs. He's going to be the one guy that's going to get the Japanese boat that's sinking all the subs, right? So it's so over the top, it's ridiculous. Mm. But Brian was watching it like a couple of weeks ago. And this, what channel do you people have? He Google. He literally like oh like okay. play silent run silent run deep at some random fucking TV station uh-huh. that had this movie literally from 1945, I think. Right. So there's one scene. <laughs> I'm telling you, so over the top, it's ridiculous. Clark Gable and uh, who's the other guy? Burt Lancaster. That's who. That's who the actors are in this movie. Clark, Clark and did you ever see the movie uh, While You Were Sleeping with Sandra Bullock? Are you seriously asking me that? Yeah. After, never mind. Well, the guy in it who's old <laughs> I in have that never seen is any young movie. in this movie. <laughs> so there's one scene where they're up at the top and they're looking and this guy, this random sailor comes out. He's going to throw, because they were just throwing trash into the ocean. Apparently in 1945, you just threw trash off the side did. of the sub and threw it in the ocean. Of course they did. Well, while he's doing it, they decide they're going to dive. <laughs> So the other two go down and they're like, dive, dive, dive. And you hear the horn. Arug, arug. <laughs> they fucking dive. And this guy's like, shit. And he's got like a wrench and he's tapping, tapping, tapping it. And he's climbing as high as he can get on the sub, on the, the bridge. And they hear the tap and bring it back up. Rise, rise, whatever the hell they were saying. And I'm like, oh my God, do they really do this? It's it was ridiculous. So, and of course, the guy's like half dead. They never went underwater, but the guy's half dead as they drag him back down. Aruga. So, Aruga, there goes the thresher. Dive, dive, back under the water. It disappears. All right. Oh, 635, April 10th. The thresher comes up to periscope depth. Oh, so it's periscope. Pretty high. Well, it's probably close to uh, 10 feet under, right, maybe. Right. I don't know how yeah. long this pretty periscope Pretty close to the is. surface. It's about 10 meters from Skylark. About an hour later, the commander of the Harvey, the commander of the Thresher, tells the Skylark he's taking it to test depth. Oh, no, I don't like is, that. Right. He's no. going to see how deep they can go, which is about 1,300 feet. I don't like that. Excuse me. Up till this time, the Thresher had never reached test. Nope. That's a lie. Up till this time, the Thresher had reached test depth about 40 times. 40. 40 times. It had been up and down. So okay. it's good. So that's one of the big things they're doing is the hull going to survive the debt. Like, I don't want to be a guinea pig. I'm not going to lie. But it's going down to make sure there's no cracks. Like, how, right. you know. So Can't they just send it down empty? You would think. That? So these subs yeah. have two hulls. All right. The outside hull, if you were to touch it, if I'm correct, it feels like rubber. rubber. Yeah, yeah, it's rubbery. And then you have the steel hull mm. on the inside. Their game that they play on some of these subs is they put a string across. And as the sub goes deeper and deeper, the sk- it's getting squished from the pressure of the water. So the, the sk- string goes through the rubber? It, no, it shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. Oh. So you can see how much pressure is on the fucking hull. I don't want to know that while I'm sli- trying to sleep. I wouldn't sleep for 30 days. Are you kidding? Can you? I would be at the fucking door yes. trying to open it under so, the water. Are you not? A friend of ours was on a submarine and I asked him, like, if I have anybody lose their shit? He goes, well, one guy, um, he goes, we shut the hull. You know, we shut the hatch. Nope. And he sat at the hatch 
and stared at it for 12 hours. And the captain was like, get him off. Get up and get him off because he's not going to make... He, just, he didn't leave. He just stared at I would have been I, watching that circle. Yep. You know, the thing that they pull in a circle. You would have seen me sweat yeah. and sweat and just sitting and under it like I'm, I'm going to open yeah. it. Any minute not opening this. Yeah. I'd be that nut like on an yeah. airplane trying to get... Get me out of here. I got to get out. All right. So... It's going to do its test test dive, which it has done about 40 times before. 747, it reports to Skylark. It is beginning its test depth dive. Five minutes later, reports at 400 feet. We're looking for leaks. Everything looks good. 754, it refers to any future references to depth will refer to test depth. Anytime they're saying, I'm at depth, they're referring to 1,300 feet. 809, it reports that it is half test depth. 835, it reports minus 300 feet. 902, it asks for a repetition of a course reading. 912, both ships make a routine check. Next, the Thresher reports have positioned angle up, attempting to blow up. So I had to call my son. What the fuck does that mean? That means mean? it's going back up? It's up like a pencil. It's up and down. It's up and... And it's trying to empty its ballast tanks to get to the surface. It's trying to go back right, up. Right, because okay. a, a sub is not supposed to be up and right. down. Um, some of the Skylark clue, crew remember the message more like, experiencing minor problem, having a positive angle, attempting to blow up will keep you informed. At 9.14, the Skylark requests, Thresher, give your course in bearing. No answer. Skylock asks, are you in control? No answer. Question is asked several more times. No answer. 9.17, three minutes later, a gobbled message that ended with test depth. Seconds later, commander of the Skylock hears what sounds like a ship breaking up. It's a compartment collapsing, he says. The Skylark and the Thresher had a prearranged signal that if something is going wrong and we lose communication, the Skylark is going to throw hand grenades down and you're going to hear, because you're going right, to hear yeah, that yeah. underwater. You need to come up immediately because we've something's going wrong. Right. So they start, thro- they're dropping hand grenades. Bum, bum, bum. Me telling them to surface and uh, nothing happens. No response. The Skylark advises the powers that be that the Thresher is missing in at least 8,400 feet of water and a massive air and surface search is underway for the Thresher. This is within fucking minutes of no response. At 1900 on April 10th, which is 7 o'clock, Navy begins to notify family members and crew. Oh my God. That the um, family members of the crew that the Thresher is overdue and it is presumed missing at this point. Soon they start seeing floating debris of the sub begin to surface. The Navy actually sinks a car at one point with a diesel engine to see where the currents would take it so they know where to where look for the sub. Um, and soon after, they have craft that they're sending to the ocean floor with sonar and sleds and cameras to try to see if they can find anything. Some debris is detected and small pieces are recovered. Next, a, I'm not going to say this right, a bathyscaph called Triesta 2 is brought in. It's the only U.S. craft that could reach 8,400 feet. Okay. June 27th. So this is, what did I say? April? April. Yep. Now, on June 27th, they find the main debris field of the Thresher. It was found in like six pieces. Ugh. They find pipes with the marking 593 boat, and the Bythescaff returned to the debris field in 1964, 1967, 1977, and 1979. So what sank the Thresher? In 1963, the Court of Inquiry is established 
They listen to two months of testimony, 1,700 pages of testimony from 120 witnesses. They look at 225 charts, letters and drawings and everything. And they conclude in 1963 that a flooding casualty in the engine room. They believe the Thresher's saltwater system sprung a leak. And because of the enormous pressure of the leak Mm -hmm. of the surrounding ocean, it blew out the electrical. It blew out their propulsion. They couldn't go anywhere. But they don't think that's what happened. (laughs) And then the Thresher... Um, because when the thresher was at 11 to 1200 feet, they said it was only a minor problem. And people like, if there's a catastrophic leak, they're not going to tell you it's a minor problem. They're going to tell you we have a fucking huge right. problem. So they said for the four minutes, the thresher was attempting to, quote, blow up. And then its last garbled message is teth, teth depth, test depth. Many believe the last message is actually we are exceeding test depth. Oh. So most subs are designed to go about um, one and a half past the test depth. Oh. So if this is can go at 1,300, it's supposed to be able to actually restain 1,800 before mm-hmm. it's going to have problems. And it's a safety factor. And because of this, they're actually double their test depth. They're supposed to be able to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was designed to actually go to like 1,500 feet. So it's presumed that it collapsed at a depth of about 1,950 yeah. feet. Um, and they believe from the test depth to its collapse was five minutes. Oh, my God. And they believe in those five minutes that the pipes and fittings would have started to give way, creating mm-hmm. powerful jets of water. Now, when Cameron was in subschool, one of the things they do is they put them in the room and they blow the pipes. Mm-hmm. So he's like, it's hitting me so hard I couldn't see. But he has to find tools and stop the leak. Mm-hmm. That's part of subschool. Um, so it's powerful jets of water that would have toppled men. Shorting the electro- electrical systems and preventing any chance of correcting any problems. The hull would have started to crack and groan under the pressure of the water. Oh, my God. That noise. Yes. Like, you can hear that noise in yes. your head. That noise would send me And then you hear, a... like, pop, 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 yeah. as the rivets are going. Yeah. yeah nope, nope, no. Nope. The hull would have started to crack and groan under the pressure of the water. It is believed at their point the crew would be aware of the gravity. Yeah. They would know it's coming. If you hear that noise, yeah. you know. But they're still going to be trying to fix it. Right, of course, because they, they want to survive. Yeah. Pieces of the inside of the hull would begin to flake off. Oh. And the hull would begin to pull like taffy, like it would start stretching from the pressure of the water on the outside until a complete implosion. Um, which would happen in about a 20th of a second. So they're saying, which is the only consoling fact is that it's gone and it's... it would be a second and they wouldn't even they wouldn't have had time have to register it was second. over yeah right um it was eventually determined that nine minutes before the implosion the thresher lost electrical power so no propulsion and the nuclear reactor had shut down they couldn't restart the nuclear reaction so if you can't if you have no engines you have no propulsion this How thing you, is it can't you're go dead in the water. you're dead in the water literally when the commander was trying to blow up, he was attempting to empty the ballast to um, make the thresher come up because it had no propulsion. Uh, it led the th- the sinking of the thresher led to a delay on all other nuclear subs under construction at that time. Many additional safety features were added to all subs, made longer for more buoyancy so that they would go straight up and down. Mm-hmm. They have a sub safe program. All restarts of nuclear power after a shutdown are revised. All men on the thresher were lost, and hopefully we will never see this happen again. Now, I felt like I needed to tell the readers what actually fucking happened to the thresher. So before I came over, I looked up what sank the thresher. So, mm-hmm. as of recently declassified oh. documents, 
Um, according to a panel of experts, the causes are as follows. And I cross-reference this with many articles. They literally all say the exact same yeah. thing. First, the Navy rushed to get the Thresher into the fleet and assumed that the crews of these new vessels were inadequately trained. Second, the crews were too overconfident in the systems and didn't think that a nuclear-powered submarine could lose power. And third, and perhaps most importantly, improper welded, welding caused the pipes to rupture on the ship, which caused a leak that shorted the ship's electrical system. Crews could not reach the equipment to stop the flooding. The balance tanks did not work as they should, and the improperly trained crew just made everything worse. Oh, God. So it seems that this mysterious event has a rather everyday uh, explanation. Contrary to popular thought, there was no actual cover-up. Rather, the Navy kept the event and documents secret to prevent the release of operational details that may have benefited the country's enemies. Mm-hmm. So that, my friends, is what actually happened to the poor Thresher. It's bad enough to be on a ship mm-hmm. in open water where you have air. Mm-hmm. But to know you're underwater. No. So then I added another little thing. Of course you do. So, of course, I'm asking Brian, like, because it, when you try to talk about depth, it goes by pounds per square inch, mm-hmm. but you have to do all these equations, and we know I suck at math. Yeah, we do. So, 1,800 feet, which is about where it was breaking up, is about 800 pounds of oh. pressure per square inch. Oh, my God. What does that do to the human body? Crush the skull? Yes. Yeah. Well, if you are ever in that much pressure, your lungs literally cannot expand. No. You, you just... It's- you're, you you cannot. Did you say eight hundred pounds? Eight hundred pounds inch. per square inch. So your entire body is is crushed. Oh you are God. instantaneously crushed. And if you aren't instantaneously crushed, the water at that depth is below freezing. You're going to freeze to death. Yeah. So there's no fucking way on earth no. you're ever going to survive eighteen hundred feet of water. I no. think they they did a test on some guy who went to it. I think he made it to a thousand feet, and. You know, I we were watching this special a couple of months ago. It was, was it that free dive thing? Yes. I almost died watching I that. literally I was, like... <gasps> my hat the whole time. Yeah. I couldn't breathe. fucking whole, awful. Yeah. On um, Netflix. It's excellent, but it makes you want to die. What, is it called The Last Breath? Something. Or The Longest Breath or something like that? Something like that. So it's these, a free diving thing. Free diving, which I didn't even know was a fucking thing. I knew it was the thing. I didn't I mean, know I've how deep... I heard the word, but I, I don't I didn't know I how deep they what went. they did. Yeah. They go down three to four hundred feet. It's insane and to give you um an idea of three to four hundred feet scuba divers deep for them is 150 feet and, and that's with equipment oxygen right these people hold their breath and they go down 300 feet and everybody's it's trying into caves a lot of the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and they're trying to outdo each other oh. and what the the whole thing on the show is when they come up they black out within like 10 feet of the surface. Well, yeah, because they haven't had oxygen and you for see like several minutes. Yeah, and you yeah. see these rescue divers just <laughs> grab them by the throat and bring them up and they're gonzo. Yeah. They're fucking gonzo. And they, they have come. to be able to like say, I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. So that it's a count. For it to count, they can't black out at all. They can't they black have out, to but get they have to, to be the able surface. to say, yep. I'm okay. They have right. to say something. Like it's some phrase, like I'm okay yes. or something like and that. And they have they, to stay awake. Yeah. They can't block out. And then they'll say, okay, it counts. Right. And then they can like relax, right. but it's like, oh my so God. So it's all about these people and like they rupture their lungs. Like one of the oh. nurses who who works for this company was like, this. they're going to be, they're on oxygen at 40 because oh, they yeah. fuck their lungs up so bad. So nothing about that sounds like a good time. No. I don't want to be in the depths of the ocean. No. I don't want to be in the bowels of the no. sky. I'm good. So... 
you wonder why these veterans are getting free coffee and free donuts mm-hmm. and 10% discount it here, which they should be getting 50 fucking percent. They should be getting free shit. This is why mm-hmm. we honor our veterans because mm-hmm. you have, my son is 19 years old mm-hmm. and this is what he's doing mm-hmm. with other 19 year olds. Mm-hmm. The people defending our country are children. Yes. All right. Yeah. And they are doing the jobs of just, mm-hmm. they're doing the jobs of men. All mm-hmm. right. And, um, my kudos to all of the military branches. Thank you for everything you do. You. For all of those who have died for our service so we can do this silly podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, they said today I was volunteering at the Veterans Day thing in Stoneham. And they it was like an opening ceremony. And they were speaking on they have changed over the Chelsea's soldier home. And they now can house like 135. Wow. Um, veterans and they said it's like state of the art care now and Massachusetts has passed all these laws like we're way ahead of the rest of the country for veterans and my um, uncle was in the soldier's home mm-hmm. in 2000 oh, well, yeah I was fucking horrified right. they, they were in wards in yes, 2000 wards, wards. Yes. yes but now it's completely done over Thank I think God. it just opened last month like the new yep. thing like they've put a ton of money into it a ton of like there's a yep. ton of services there. They're really amping up the veterans care. When you think about like you look at what's going on with Israel, they require you to do two years. A lot of countries require you to go in their military. Mm-hmm. Ours is complete voluntary. Yep. And that we still have young men and women going in mm-hmm. voluntarily to to do mm-hmm. a thankless job, mm-hmm. really. People are not kind no. sometimes yeah. to people in the military. So And it's not like they're getting paid a lot. No, not at all. And no. if the government fucks up because they're idiots, they're not getting paid at all. Right. So to my son, who I adore, I love you. And mine. Uh, and to too. all the men you're working mm-hmm. with. Um, and I know there's no women on the ship, so I know all the men. Thank you, uh, Sophia Services. I hope you guys are all listening. We yep. love you. <laughs> yep. And my son as well. And to Jack as well and all the men he and women he's with. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you guys for going in. And stay safe, please, because yep. I won't be handled if you don't. I nope. don't want to get any letters. No, God, no. Um, have a great Veterans Day. Enjoy mm-hmm. your November. It's beautiful in New England right now, so I can't complain. We had no. a gorgeous weekend last yes. weekend. Absolutely fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will see you in a couple of weeks. We have a fun little episode coming up. It's just silly. Nothing terribly exciting. No. Vaguely medically related. Vaguely. I mean, as was this. <laughs> as was this. I mean, I talked about what could happen to you at a death. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. See you soon. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.